You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, there's a guy who wants to be Speaker of the House. Now that's kind of a big want. Like, for instance, uh, after I retired, I wanted to go back to teaching and I am starting teaching today. I'll see uh, kids in the classroom. Are there other people who you know, want to do so? They want to be retired, but it's not just everybody who says, I wanna be speaker of the house. So you would think that somebody who wants that would be like a really highly qualified, credible guy, right? But he's not, he's <laughs> Kevin McCarthy for God's sake. Kevin McCarthy, does that make you look crazy? You know, it's interesting about him. Not only does he want that job, I'm really frightened to say he has a chance of getting that job. So, and he's banked on, you know, this is how it looks from the outside. He's banked on the Trump, um, the MAGA group to be the group that gets him there. So he, if just, if everyone can remember after January 6th, on the day of January 6th and right after that, he was like, oh, that's Trump's responsibility. And he incited the riot. And then he pivoted so quickly back to what? Insurrection? I don't know what you're talking about. No, and I mean, such a pivot that uh, this is one that I guess stuns me the most that he has now stated public, publicly, Kevin has, that the FBI looked into it and found that Trump had no connection. Uh, he was not the cause of it at all. And that's not just a fibber, that's a lie. The uh, Liz, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, Brad, what's it, Kinsinger, Adam Kinsinger, right. uh, have both reported, no, we talked to them to the real people, the FBI people. And they've said, that's not true. Kevin, I don't know how you get to be Speaker of the House if you tell lies. Right, but of course, from the Republican, particularly the MAGA perspective, Nancy Pelosi, the current uh, Speaker of the House, lies all the time, lies every day. So I don't think he thinks that's... Um, disqualifying. The thing that I find most distasteful about him is that he knows that what he's saying is not true, but he has made a calculation that he has to do that. He and Trump is what both and all the other ones believe that, um, let me say this, that their supporters are so dumb that they would rather hear the lies than the truth. And that I think is truly disturbing and, and not good for the United States. No, and what it comes down to, right? And I think this is what you're saying is that McCarthy has calculated that the way to win the majority to become speaker is to totally hitch your wagon to Donald Trump. Is that, that's fair? Yes. And, and all of Trump's fantasies, illusions, and 
whatever else you want to call them, you know. You know, I, I mean, well, I admit, nobody's surprised. I don't like Donald Trump. Uh, I don't like anything that's associated with him. But even my prejudice aside, just trying to look at it through clear political science eyes, if you will, I just don't believe that Donald Trump, the guy who lost this last election, lost the House two years before that, did not win uh, the popular vote the, the year that he was put in into the presidency. I just don't think he's the guy who wins you the House. Yeah, I don't think he wins the House and, and definitely in four years or what's three years now. I think he'll be a disaster for them. But for some reason, um, they calculated in January that they had to, you know, stay hitched to his star. I think that John ultimately will prove to be a miscalculation. And I think we talked about Liz Cheney, um, you know, when she was put on the committee. And I don't, I mean, I think she is principled on this issue. Um, but I don't, I wonder sometimes whether she hasn't made the right calculation. Maybe she's too far away from Trump, but I think people are tired of Trump. There was a story this weekend that he does intend to run for president in 2024, but that's far away and I'm not sure that'll happen. But the person who's most opposed to that is Melania Trump. Really? She didn't, she didn't like the job. Wow. Isn't that hilarious? She didn't like being first lady. But in a way, I understand because she didn't do what most first ladies do, which is to have a cause to be public because she's a private person. And um, and I don't think she liked all the negative feedback, which in a way, that's so rational, isn't it? It's like, I wouldn't want all that bad mouthing either. <laughs> yeah. And it's, so, it was never a good fit for her. And I, I really yeah. am not trying to be uh, critical of her, her personally. But, you know, there had been many first ladies who liked the job because it really fit something they wanted to do. I'm thinking Eleanor Roosevelt uh, here. You know, you would have thought Jackie Kennedy might not have liked the job, but she found a part that she really did like redecorating the White House, those those kind of things. Others found things like uh, literacy, working with children to be something that really interested them. But I would also fully believe that many of them said, you know, this really was not what I wanted. I guess some did. Nancy you Reagan know, wanted. Exactly. She wanted the power. But two great examples of that are Laura Bush and Michelle Obama. And despite the fact that they had very different husbands, they were not that different from each other. <laughs> they were both very educated, extremely classy women who, you're, to your point, had causes that were true to their hearts, but that was their husband's dream to be president, not theirs. Melania Trump, I think she didn't want Donald to be president, nor did she embrace the platform. So not to spend too much time talking about her, although she's a fascinating character. But to me, when I heard that story, I thought there is there truly is serious talk in Mar-a-Lago about Trump running because this stuff is starting to leak already. Trump is starting to leak through his, you know, 
um, supporters that he is intending to do that. So that's that's keeping people like Kevin McCarthy in line. And I think, you know, three years from now, if we're still doing this, we'll be talking about what a strategic mistake that was for them. Because to me, it feels like the whole MAGA movement is weakening the Republican Party rather than strengthening it. And the one case of that has to be the virus and, and the vaccinations and Delta variant variants and all that, because that's the that's the MAGA group. It's not necessarily Trump, you know, because now he's like get vaccinated, but his what he has spawned, or is which the the word correctly used, what he has spawned, I think, um, has created a lot of negativity in the country about the MAGA group. Also as did January 6th. I mean, if you just talk to regular people who aren't even, you know, as lefty as we are, and they'll be like, what a bunch of idiots. And what you don't want people calling you is a bunch of idiots. Well, it's so interesting you brought that up because what was sitting in my head was a phrase you used a few minutes ago. You said people are tired of Donald Trump. And I was going to add in what you've just brought up. People are tired of Trump's supporters, the MAGA people. We keep seeing the images, whether it's, you know, a guy in the bearskin suit with a bare chest screaming, or it's that wild-eyed look of people at school board meetings. Uh, Americans have been saying, I think they said with their votes for, for Joe Biden, we don't want to live in this kind of country. We want to go back to something more rational. Whether we totally agreed with Joe Biden or not, we want to go back to in American uh, America that we felt was respected. And that MAGA fringe doesn't do that. No, and you know what's very interesting about that, John, is in we returned to normal so quickly that all weekend long what um, the news media was talking about, and it didn't matter whether you were at the Wall Street Journal or you know, the New York Times and everywhere in between is, oh, what's wrong with Biden? He's lost his mojo. He doesn't have good poll results. And I was like, this is so normal because he stumbled a couple of times, stumbled in Afghanistan, the Delta virus is up, the CDC is incomprehensible. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's all normal stuff. And then the media turned on him. It's so different than... Um, how Trump was, because you can agree or disagree on how the media handled Trump, but they handled him like he was a normal president. But underlying their reporting, and they're like, oh, polls are up or down, was this, the house is on fire. <laughs> you know? They were just like so appalled by it. No, I don't think they're appalled by Biden. They just think, oh, well, you know, I mean, it's a tough job and he's messed it up a little bit. And that feels so normal. And, and that doesn't really matter who is talking about him. You know, again, from the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times, they're all doing their dance, their job of, of reporting on the guys messed up. Well, they haven't. You know, it's, it's typical of a presidency. Leave Donald Trump uh, out. 
that we begin with this great honeymoon, things kind of fall off. It's also a little bit typical of Joe Biden's career, his entire career. Remember, Joe Biden has never been a very flashy, always popular. Everybody liked him, and everybody thought he did a good job. But throughout the campaign or the primaries, remember, Joe Biden was the guy we all said, and he just doesn't have any mojo. He just can't do it. Uh, he just kind of hung on there. And it wasn't until Jim Clyburn in South Carolina gave him the boost that all of a sudden every Democrat said, oh, man, we got the greatest one ever. We have Joe Biden. That That's just not who he is. And I think what we've seen in uh, the Afghanistan problem and in other things is actually the same Joe Biden we've always known. No. Uh, make up your mind what's right and keep going on it, right yeah. or right or wrong. That's the Joe that we have as a president. That's an interesting point, John, because what we need to find out from Joe Biden is can he grow? And what I mean by that is sometimes you have deeply held beliefs, and that's a good thing. But circumstances on the ground require you to change. And Biden, I think, is being required to change. And I use this as kind of a small example, but you know he got a lot of negative feedback on his meeting, <clears throat> meeting with the 13 families when those after those soldiers were killed in Afghanistan. And so I, it was a super interesting article about it in the Times on Sunday, because some of the feedback was, okay, he lost his son. I get that. He understands grief. But when I meet with, I just lost my son. I don't want to hear him talk about his son. So the messaging of grief that has worked for him is starting to not work for him because we've all heard it so many times. And you have to grow in whatever space you're in. And I thought to myself, that's weirdly um, in a um, descriptive of what's happening to him in other areas. He's got some really competent people working for him, and that's helping, right? Ron Klain, whatever. But he himself has to grow and change, which is not easy as you get older. I'm here to tell you. So, no, it's not, because as we are broadcasting here, I am standing in my new classroom at DePaul College Prep. Uh, I'm actually standing in the front, there are empty chairs all around me. And I've thought about it. It's been a year and a half since I've been in a classroom teaching a class. I'm very excited about it. But even though it's only been a short time, a lot has happened to school and to students. Uh, you know, these kids, they were mostly on hybrid last year. Some of them would have been totally on remote school. And I said to myself this morning, I said, you know, be like Joe Biden, grow a little. <laughs> exactly. Well, good luck with that, John. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. oh, uh, about another hour, this is going to be filled with friendly, smiling little faces. And I'm going to say, okay, let me tell you my philosophy told to me by another teacher. Don't smile till Thanksgiving and beat the crap out of the biggest kid in your class. My there my you Lord, go. My oh, Lord. No. All right. We might have to change sibling talk to Dale's from the classroom. Yeah. So, all right. Enjoy today. Sir. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.